So, um, so it seems like a couple people in the room are asking about building a daily practice, something with consistency and regularity. And this is something for me personally. So I lived in a monastery for eight years, and they had every morning, the community had morning and evening meditation. So whether I wanted to or not, I had to kind of sit there and just be there for that. And that was a regular practice that I had, I guess, for almost a decade. Um, and then since I left the monastery, I have had no interest at all in having a regular practice. So I really feel that that's not actually interesting for me personally to build. I think that we, in our society, maybe in other cultures as well, we're very good at telling ourselves what we should be doing. We have these ideals and ideas about what is good for us. And then we create all this stress, pushing, pushing ourselves to fulfill those ideals in those places and um, you know, hurting ourselves in the process, which is kind of the opposite of what it is we actually wanted to begin with. So I often say to people, you know, we set this bar and we're always trying to get over this bar um, and we're having trouble getting over the bar and we don't realize that we're the ones holding the bar ourselves, that we could actually just lower the bar and there wouldn't really be such a problem anymore. So what's more important than forcing yourself to sit and meditate every day would be to really enjoy the meditations that you do have, to really, every time you do sit, to really make sure that you come to this place, that you feel good, that you're doing it because you want to do it. It's an, it's an act of love for yourself. It feels nice. You feel more relaxed and peaceful afterwards. And when you connect to that feeling, you'll simply want to do it more. Right? If you say to yourself, you have to meditate every day, you're creating that an aversion in your own mind because you're kind of trying to force yourself to do this thing. And it becomes this almost um, this fight inside of you to meditate or not and all this. And you don't want to do that to yourself. Um, it's actually interesting this morning, I was reading about, so the American Health Organization, they put out, uh, you know, a a warning, so to say, about coconut oil, saying that coconut oil is actually bad for you. And um, then I did a little research, and I saw that the, um, that the study is completely wrong, that, um, that there is no correlation between saturated fats and heart disease, that there's a lot of cultures that eat high saturated fat, high cholesterol diets, and they're fine, they live very long. And um, it just has to do with the pharmaceutical companies and ways we can make money and ways people are finding their own health, which then the companies don't have control over, so they're trying to block them. So, you know, so many people in their lives, they look at their diets um, and think that this is what it means to be healthy, right? I need to eat like this. I need to eat good things, not right, good and bad things. Um, but who says what's good and bad, right? I know when I was growing up, uh, there was phases where butter was good and phases where butter was bad and times where eggs were good and eggs were bad and then just the whites of the eggs but not the yolks. And now they're like, no, you, the yolk is where the actual content of the egg is. What are you talking about? And so even the idea of what is good and bad to eat keeps getting shifted before our eyes uh, with each new study or each new person trying to control what people are consuming or doing. And I just think it's so interesting that 
we are so sure of ourselves that we know if I eat this thing, then it's good, or if I eat this thing, then it's bad, or if I go to the gym every day, that's good, or if I don't, it's bad. If I do yoga, if I meditate every day, that's good, and if I don't, it's bad. There's these ideas of, of um, yeah, judgments and this very extreme way of looking at things and this black and white way of being. And, you know, if you ever really watch yourself, I know some people um, that are really kind of strict about diets and stuff, they often seem to me, many people I've seen, that they create so much stress and pressure inside of themselves that they become sick, that they have tension everywhere, and they're kind of really like, they're quick to be angry at people and they kind of crack and snap and they're very, you know, rigid in a lot of ways. Um, they're not very happy, you know, they eat and it doesn't really bring them kind of an enjoyment. You know, whereas there's other people that just, you know, they wake up and they just do, you know, whatever. I'll eat the pizza from last night or, you know, go get an ice cream or something. And just in a relaxed way, they just kind of do what they want. And slowly they also maybe see, oh, if I eat this, it doesn't feel good. You know, if you, if you eat a candy bar when you wake up in the morning, that's not going to feel good and you're, you're going to feel sick. So then the next morning you wake up, you're not going to want the candy bar again just because you yourself don't feel good doing that. So we have a way of learning just by making experiences. But because we were born into families, into a culture and society, and you know, my mom said, this is good, this is bad, you can eat this, you can't eat that. And a lot of people, we take the structures that were given to us by our parents. We take the structures given by society, and we continue holding those structures on top of ourselves, saying, this is good, this is bad, this is right, this is wrong, without really examining it deeper. And I, again, growing up, my mom, she really was very, you know, you can eat this, you can eat that, very... And now, after, especially after I lived in Germany and I was eating very healthy and I was vegetarian for 10 years, and you know, I go home and I see my parents, it's just like processed foods and sugar donuts and just things that when I eat them, I actually feel sick. Like I feel tired. I can feel physically what the food's doing to me. So I don't, I've sheared, uh, shied away from eating. Like I don't really eat sugar anymore. I don't, I'm not interested in, in foods that don't feel good in my body after I've eaten them by allowing myself to eat whatever I want. Right, by making the experience and then allowing the natural inclination of the body to start to develop where it wants to go. And, um, and I think, yeah, for many people, their minds would be more peaceful if they stopped trying to meditate. If they just allowed themselves to meditate when it felt good. I think a lot of people would be more healthy if they stopped trying to diet and instead just kind of relaxed and ate what felt good to eat. You know, and I think that, um, that this control that we try to have over things sometimes is more the enemy than the advisor, so to say. That that controlling thing in our mind that says, I know what you need, I know what's good for you, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, that's actually hurting us and that's actually often making us more sick than if we just allowed ourselves to kind of do whatever we wanted. So it's really important to kind of look at look at what we're doing and why and what we think, you know, because I get these questions a lot and a lot of people say, I want to make a, a daily practice, how do I do it? And they expect me to give them the answers how to create a daily practice. But for me, I'm more interested to say, well, why are you thinking that you need to create a daily practice to be happy? You know, it's much more interesting for me to try to disarm that belief than it is to try to support that belief. Because 
when you go back down those structures that control, that's kind of in Buddhism, especially that's really the enemy of all of this. It's that part of you that's trying to hold on to things that thinks this is what I need. This is the best. This is permanent. You know, um, my father, he's, he's kind of sick right now. And when I heard that he was kind of getting sick, I got really like upset that he was sick and I was angry at him for not taking care of himself. And then um, the next week, my friend told me that his father just died. And his father was on the basement running on the treadmill. And he just had a stroke on the treadmill and died. And it was really this kind of amazing shift that happened in my mind where, you know, I thought that because my father didn't take care of himself, it kind of made him feel sick, get sick. But then I see my friend whose father's taking care of himself, taking care of himself, taking care of himself, and then he had a stroke. And I was like, you can't, you know, who's to say? Who's to say what's good and what's bad and what's going to help you and what's not? Maybe if my friend's father had just spent more time sitting around doing nothing, he wouldn't have, you know, pushed himself to have the stroke. If that's how strokes work, I don't know. But it just kind of showed me that you never really know. And these, these black and white, good for you, bad for you, right and wrong, they don't actually exist. Um, and especially if you think about diet, um, I know it's like meditation class, but especially think about diet, for instance, you know, there's different seasons, right? So in Chinese medicine, there's hot foods and there's cold foods. And if you think about how the seasons are changing, there's some things that are good to eat when it's hot out because they cool down the body. Then there's some things that are really good for the body when it's cold out because they warm the body. You know, so we would want to say that there's this one thing that we should be eating all year. Or uh, salad is healthy, so I should eat salad at all the mealtimes. But maybe if you're eating salad, for instance, before you go to bed, it's building up too much kind of like slime in your body. And it's kind of like, you know, it gets in your lungs and it's kind of difficult. That maybe salad is good at a certain time of the day, but not all day. That maybe this idea that something is always good is actually not a reality. Maybe everything is so shifting and conditional that maybe having a meditation practice that where you sit and meditate every day, maybe there's times where that really makes sense. Maybe there's times where that's supportive. Maybe that's times where it's really what you need. But maybe if you're one of those people that's really strict and really tight about how they live their lives, maybe actually what you need is to let that go and just to sit whenever it feels good to make meditation, right, this act of doing something that feels good for you. And then when you sit, you can get really deep. Whereas I know when I was in the monastery and we had to sit every morning, I probably had maybe like five good meditations over those eight years, right? Because you're just forcing yourself to sit there at four in the morning and you're just falling asleep as you're sitting and you're tired and it was more of an act of kind of discipline and willpower than it was really for a meditation. You know, and I feel now I only meditate when I'm, when I'm in the mood. <laughs> when I feel that I need to drop in, when I, when I want to, when I'm inspired, uh, I'll meditate and then it goes really deep, really fast because it's coming from an authentic place inside of really wanting it and not coming from a place where I think that I should. I should be doing this, right? So um, when we think about daily practice, and because, again, this is like the last class of the series, um, so to talk about kind of transitioning from a class into you know, not having a class anymore, what we call daily practice can look many different ways. Um, so a daily practice could be like sitting every day a half an hour, right? Could be doing yoga every morning. There's different ways your daily practice can look. A daily practice could also be something, for instance, one of my teachers, Acham Brahm, he told me the mantra, which is when you just repeat in your head, good enough. It's good enough. 
You know, I woke up, ah, but I, I'm too tired. Okay, it's good enough. And you don't have to meditate. You know, ah, I should really make this big thing for myself for breakfast, but I just went, yeah, it's okay, it's good enough. And whatever comes up in your mind to say to it, it's good enough. It's good enough. It's good enough. It starts to relieve that controller. It starts to tell you that you're okay, that everything's fine. That your daily practice doesn't have to have a form in terms of like the body has to be doing this thing every morning and that's called the daily practice. Maybe the daily practice is changing the way that you live your daily life, right? Because if you talk about yoga, I mean, yoga, traditionally speaking, it's not just about stretching your body. Yeah, it's not like I can now, it's like the Iyengar book out here. It's like, oh, you can stretch. He's very flexible. That, that means nothing. I see children that are super flexible, so what? You know, yoga had different limbs. Yoga is a, it's a practice for your whole life. You know, and I think that when we talk about a daily practice, it's actually important to really clearly look at our lives and see, like, what does my life look like? What are the areas that I feel that I'm suffering the most? Where are the places that I'm getting stuck? Is this in, like, relationships? Is this in decision-making? Is this in standing up for myself? Is this in pursuing my passions or my interests? Is this in facing my fears? Is this in being too hard on myself? What is the place in my life that I'm struggling the most? What is the thing that I kind of come up against the walls? And what... And then from that place, then what would I like to do to kind of shift that? And then that's called a daily practice because it's with wisdom. You know, you don't go to CVS pharmacy and just grab any random medicine and start taking it and say, well, it's medicine. Medicine is good for you, so I'll take this medicine. No, you first see what's going on in your body and then you take the medicine that fits what you need. You know, so I think it's important that we also first kind of take that period of reflection to really assess ourselves. And you could even do this through like a conversation with someone else. Or, but to really assess like where am I at? What, what would I like to improve? What would I like to shift? And then what would be the way to do that? And kind of seeing what that is. And also deconstructing it. Because again, some people will come to the place where they say, oh, I need a morning practice. That's the shift that I need. Without actually realizing maybe it's the voice that says, I need that morning practice is actually the place that needs the work. Right? The one that thinks that that morning, that this is the way, you know. Maybe it's actually, no, maybe it's about like just lying in bed and like watching Netflix and hanging out in the morning and like going to work feeling good, you know, or driving to the beach and sitting with the ocean. Like, ah, you know, there's so many different ways to support ourselves. Um, so, yeah, so just bringing a little more wisdom into that, I think is really important. And tying this into the meditation that we'll do in a minute. When you start meditating, and I I think I've said this in the last couple classes, but just to reiterate a little bit, um, the way meditation works is that you let go. That meditation is a practice of letting go. Um, I think Jack Kornfield said that his meditation center, he said it's not a place you go to get things. He said it's a garbage dump. He said when you go on retreat, that's the place you go and you leave everything behind. You, you unload all of your crap and then you can leave and you feel free. Yeah. So it's not that we're here to like get this new stuff and learn this new stuff and this new... It's actually a place where you can come and you can put everything down. Right? That you can really relax and you can let go. Because when I say to you, relax your body, you, ah, you just lay down. You know how to let go of your body. But then I say to you, relax your mind and you're like, I don't... What does that mean? How do I relax my mind? Should I, should I stop thinking? Okay, I'll try to stop thinking. Every time a thought comes, I'll start pushing that thought away. You know, and I say relax your mind, and then you start creating all this tension in your mind, trying to do something, trying to change something, trying to shift something. You know, creating movement, movement, tension, right? Whereas 
if you see the body, the way the body relaxes is when the body lets go. The body has no more tension in it. So you can really look at your own mind and as you're meditating, is the way that I'm practicing, is my relationship to my practice creating more tension or is it creating more ease? Yeah, if you're sitting and uh, there's thoughts or there's pain or there's something and you're kind of fighting that and you're pushing against it and you don't want it to be like that and you think it should be different, you're not practicing the right way. You're just creating more and more and more stress for yourself. Meditation becomes a new thing to judge yourself about. It becomes a new thing to say, I'm not doing it right. I don't know how to do it. I have to try out. It becomes a new thing for the mind to kind of work at. Whereas meditation, it's supposed to be the same way, like you relax your body. You're supposed to be able to relax your mind. I think in, uh, in Eat, Pray, Love, if anyone read that book, it's pretty good. Um, there's, she goes to like Bali and she meets the teacher and he gives her like the most powerful meditation method he knows, right? And it's to sit there and just smile. And she's kind of like, that's it? He's like, yep, yeah, that's it. Just sit and you smile. But you have to do it every day. But you sit and you smile. You know? And she started practicing this and she said it was just this really powerful, like purifying process because she was one of those people that felt like she had to do something. And if you just sit there and smile, the mind keeps wanting to do something, wanting to grab something to try. And it's like, no, you just have to sit here and smile. You know, and eventually you start to create a new program in your mind. You start to learn, or so to say you unlearn, but you start to learn that if I just sit and smile, the, the mind starts to realize there's no problem. Everything's fine. Meditation shouldn't become a new problem to solve. Meditation should be this thing that's like the, the cure to all of your problems. It should be the antidote to your mind. Yeah, so this isn't you know, something I teach as much as I probably should, but you know, the most important position in your meditation is your smile. You know, and I honestly, the way that I practice is I always, I sit, and I'm not like, you know, I'm not, I don't give like a huge like toothy grin, but I relax my mouth into a bit of a smile. So I sit and, and it feels nice. And then I just feel the space of the room around me. And that's it. That's all that I do when I meditate. I feel the space around me. I allow the smile. And then naturally your breathing starts to come in. And, you know, the mind starts to feel more calm, more peaceful, and it starts to collect all by itself. And then everything starts to kind of fade away. And then you go into that peace, deeper into that peace. And that's kind of the entryway in. That's really when the mind starts to get into these, these deep states. And, um, and the more that you would want to try to do something, the more you're going to get out of that state. The... The collected mind is the mind that comes together in peace, the mind that comes together in, in, uh, in stillness. So if you know the goal of the mind is to be still, you know, then you're not going to be doing anything. I often say if you jump into a pool of water and then the water starts sloshing around and you know that you want that water to be still, you're not going to start trying to like slap the waves down. Yeah? Because you know you're just creating more waves in the pool. You know that you're going to jump in the pool, it's going to be sloshing, and then you're just going to wait. And eventually, that water's going to come to a stillness all by itself. And this is the same with the mind. That everything you do, you're going to create ripples. And every time you just relax and you wait, and you allow the ripples just to keep coming, the thoughts, the feelings, things just to keep hitting you, but you just wait, trust, believe, 
Yeah, this is like where belief and trust and faith come into play. That you really have to trust, you have to believe that if I don't do anything, everything will be fine. You have to really trust and believe and have faith that if I let go, it's going to happen by itself. Yeah, which is like the absolute opposite of the ego control freak thing, you know, because it thinks it has to do something for everything to be fine. So trust, faith, and belief, that's like the exact opposite of our ego, which is why in a lot of religions there's things like trust, faith, and belief, because you, you have to surrender to something that you don't have control over, you know. So... I think we'll meditate today for 20, 25 minutes. And if that sounds like a long time for anybody, uh, it's not. And I'll walk you through it. We'll do, I'll guide you into the meditation. So, um, so you'll have some, um, some kind of reference frame going into it. And if at any time during the meditation you feel that you need to shift positions or anything you feel uncomfortable, then go ahead and, and do that. Um, you don't have to sit perfectly still like a stone or something. If you need to move, go ahead and move, but just do it slowly and mindfully and quietly that you don't disturb people around you. But you can also you know, use that shifting of your body as part of your meditation. So um, you just bring your awareness down to your leg and then you move your leg slowly and then you bring your awareness back so it's easy. Um, so again, this is really time for you. This is time for you to relax. We're here to enjoy ourselves. Yeah, this is home yoga, right? So come home, come back to yourself and just relax. And uh, yeah, get into a comfortable position.